Good morning, everybody. My name is John, and I am the pastor here at Trinity. Glad to have you worshiping with us this morning. Um, I am slowly getting acclimated here to the culture of Atlanta. And one thing we were taught that we should do during the summer is to try our best to sign our kids up for every VBS possible. And we have done that, and it's going really well. I'm thankful for that. Praise God for VBS and the local Methodist church. And so this week, our kids have been on an adventure. Uh, Their VBS also gave them a compact disc, a CD, which they're very unfamiliar with. They're like, how do we play this? And we're like, I don't know. We we don't have anything in the house that plays that anymore. uh, But we do have a van, and so it's been playing in the van everywhere we go. And the theme of the camp is heroes and discipleship, which is a very good theme. And there's this line, if you want to be a hero then you have to follow. And that's a good lead into our Old Testament reading today, which we're following the story of Elijah and Elijah through the Old Testament right now. It's also the theme of our gospel. It turns out that following or being a disciple is core to the Christian faith. And that's not a given, right, with religion. Like some religions act more as a philosophy, less focused on a person, But in our faith, it's actually very much receiving a way of life from from someone, from Jesus, right? Passed down to us through the church. Our reading today are about discipleship. There's actually some really important questions at stake in in 1 Kings and 2 Kings and at stake in our reading today, and they actually relate on down to us. Questions sound like this. How is God going to continue the work after Elijah is gone? Related is how is God going to prepare a remnant from Israel so that the knowledge of the one true God does not vanish after Israel goes into exile? The very faith is at stake here. You could put it this way. How is God going to make a future for the people of God? Let's talk about the story. Our text begins like this. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, so we have some foreshadowing of something that's about to happen, and then we know that everything that comes next is going to kind of relate to that. Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. They were on their way together. Now, if you've been reading along in the story, you'll notice that this is actually only the second mention of Elijah. We've talked a lot about Elijah in the story and the miracles that he's doing. By the way, I should mention, um, I might have mentioned this last week, I'm not sure, but the name Elijah is El in Hebrew means God in Yahweh. So Yahweh is God, the God of Israel is God, is exactly what his name means, and it's actually what his entire life meant, right? If you remember from last week, we talked about how uh, Israel had turned their heart to a foreign god, to Baal, and they were all beginning to worship him, and they were all beginning to think in the future of their economy and their military well-being, and everything that they needed was going to be kind of put up with Baal, so they all kind of, you know, jumped in the boat with him. And Elijah comes on the scene, and his his entire life basically means no, (laughs) Jah is God. Yahweh is God. Elijah. That's what his name means. 
And you might remember in the text uh, last week that God told Elijah to go and anoint Elijah to be a prophet. And that's actually the only story that we have of how that happened that we have of Elijah before now. And so what's happening is Elijah finds Elisha, whose name means God saves. So El, Eli, God, Sha saves. So he finds Elijah in the field and he's plowing behind some oxen. He's just doing his day job, what he does. And Elijah comes by with his coat and he takes it and he puts it on him. Now, my coat is cheap. It comes from H&M. But Elijah's coat would be more like this rug right here. It comes from the Middle East. It is hand woven and it would be unique to him. So putting that coat around him says, this is the thing that everyone recognizes me by. Whenever they see me, they see this coat. So they see that go around Elijah. It's a big deal. It means some things. Elijah has a decision. What is he going to do? He's already got a job. He's got a good job. He works with his dad. He's making money. He's got life. This is the village he's been raised in. Everyone there knows him. He's got the good life. He's already got the Hebrew dream, whatever you want to call it, right? He's got it. He makes a split decision. He says, I will follow you. And then he begins to follow. He says, hey, wait, first, can I go say goodbye to my mom and dad? Elijah says, sure, go say goodbye. So he goes and he slaughters that ox that he was plowing behind. And he takes the, the, uh, the apparatus that um, I'm like losing all my form. You know, sorry, I wasn't raised on a form. What's the thing around the ox and the yoke? Thank you so much. He takes the yoke and he creates a fire with it. So basically the tools that he used for his livelihood and his, the ox, which you know, was you know, his investment, and he's going to go ahead and burn that investment and he's going to throw his own going away party, right? So basically he, he throws his party at the same time. He's totally making no way to go back. No turning back. He's gonna follow this crazy prophet Elijah on this crazy mission and all he is, is doing is going to be Elijah's servant. That's all the text says. He's going to be a servant. And that's all we know about Elisha until we get to this text. And we don't know how much time has passed. The text doesn't tell us how, how many years or how many months or what's all going around. All that we really can imagine from the text is that as Elijah was going on his way, doing his, his prophetic work, that he's got a servant there with him. He's got someone to do the hard work of going to fetch the water. There's no running water in this culture. It's a lot of work just to travel from one place to another. He's going to figure out how food's going to work and how lodging's going to work. He's going to build a fire. He's there as one who serves. And finally, Elijah turns to Elisha as they're coming, as they're on their way from Gilgal. And he says, hey, the Lord is sending me over to Bethel. You stay here. I'm going to go over there. Elijah is sensing the end for him is coming. So he's beginning to say, hey, I'm almost at the end here. Maybe it's time for you to stay here and you can kind of start something new of your own. And what Elijah says, is, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. You see, Elijah has a resolute commitment to follow his master Elijah. And so the text tells us that they went down to Bethel. And there's this series of things that happen. Uh, Ed already read for us this morning, but what happens is they go down to a new place, Bethel, and there there's a company of prophets. 
So if you remember, just a while back, Elijah was like, hey, I'm the only one. I'm the only one, God. And since he stood up and began to lead the people back to God, suddenly there's prophets popping up all over. And so there's a company of, of prophets there in Bethel, and they tell Elijah, hey, you know what's about to happen? Your master is about to get taken up. And he says, hey, I know. Don't worry about it. Don't, don't speak of it. And then the same thing happens again. Elijah says, well, I got to go somewhere else now. I got to go to, I got to the Jericho. You stay here. And each time he's giving Elijah kind of a chance, one, of comfort, that he doesn't have to be a servant anymore, and two, of, hey, you've been following me for a long time. Like, you can kind of set out and be a prophet now. Like, you've got the goods. Like, just stay here and do your thing. Here's a company of prophets. You can lead these guys. And every time Elisha says, no, my job is to be your servant. My role in life is to serve under you. And I am going to do that as long as you are here. Now, we might not catch it because we're not all Old Testament nerds that are reading the story of the Exodus every day. But there's these places that they're named. And we have a map. Does the map work? If it works, we'll be there. All right, there's name. So Tishba is Elijah's hometown. He's a Tishbite. Um, but then below are these words that we're seeing. So he starts off from, from Gilgal and then goes to Bethel. And then from Bethel goes to Jericho. Now, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you go there? You know, it, it doesn't. But it, it's kind of reminding us in the story of something else. These are all places that when Israel was coming into the promised land, they actually came in around and they were on this side of the Jordan. And then when they go in to take the land, they're gonna go to these places in the beginning. So in the memory of Israel, as they hear these places named, they are remembering the conquest. And actually, we'll talk a little bit about this later, but what this text takes a lot of work to show us is how Elijah is kind of like a new Moses. Moses shows up on the scene. He knows the name of God, that Yahweh is God. And he's there to, in a sense, establish the covenant with the people. And he's there to free them from an oppressive king, Pharaoh. And Elijah is there for the very same thing. He's there to reestablish the covenant. And he is there to free Israel from the oppressive hand of a pagan land. Only this time, the pagan land is now Israel. Because Ahab has begun to worship Baal. So there's so, there's so many uh, kind of nuances there in the story or, or allusions there to the Exodus story. It's, it's super cool how they weave these. Just mention where all these names come up and how they're kind of going circular. And so they come to Jericho and it happens again. And Elijah says, hey, I'm going to go to the Jordan. And he says, stay here. And he says, no, I'm going to go with you. And this time, about 50 of the prophets go out with them. And they don't cross the Jordan with them. They kind of watch them as they come up to the Jordan. And then Elijah does his thing. He takes off his mantle, and then he comes up to the Jordan River, and he strikes the Jordan River, and then they walk across on dry land. And Elisha follows, and this is the last stop for the prophets. They are now leaving the Holy Land, the Promised Land, and they're going out, and they're crossing the Jordan. And now Elisha is literally the only prophet that can go where Elijah goes. Now, what you need to know is that you don't need to split the Jordan across the Jordan. You can walk across it. It's not, you know, it's not, it doesn't flow super hard. You can just kind of walk across. It's not a big deal. What's happening here? Again, these are Exodus illusions. What happens when the people of God come into the land, right? Joshua, they, they walk across on, on dry land, right? We sang about the Ebenezer today. They put the 12 stones there. Some of you guys will remember that. So they walk over on dry land, 
And then Elijah had asked this question. Elijah, I'm sorry, had asked this question to Elijah. Hey, what, did it, what can I do for you? Like, you're just, you're gonna serve me no matter what. I noticed that now. Is there something I can do? Like, what can I leave you or what can I give you? And Elijah asked for a really good thing. He says, let me inherit a double share of your spirit. Now, in this culture, what happens with inheritance is, let's say, I've got three sons. When I die, my inheritance would be split into four. And then two shares would go to the eldest, and then the, the middle and the youngest would get one share. And the idea is that the eldest, in a sense, is going to take on the role of the father from the family. He's going to care for the well-being of that family. He's going to care for the well-being of that village and kind of play in that role. So that son would then get the double share. In a sense, what Elisha is asking Elijah is, hey, we could see that there's going to be all these prophets here that are going to inherit this legacy that you're leaving behind. And he's saying, hey, would it be okay if I could get a double share? And so Elijah says, it's a hard thing that you ask, but if you see me as I am taking from you, it will be granted to you. If not, it will not. And so the text says that as they are walking, they continue to walk together, and then suddenly a chariot of fire and horsemen are suddenly circling Elijah and separates the two so that Elijah is caught up in a whirlwind. He's literally ascending into heaven. And Elijah is crying out, the horsemen of Israel is like, what is he talking about? And this is a metaphor for the armies of God. And we see in the text and other places where the armies of God, the angels are literally fighting the battle for God's people. And he cries out and then Elijah is taken up. Now he is alone in the world. His master is gone. It's just him there with Elijah's mantle. And so he goes up to the Jordan and he says, is there a God in Israel? Now that Elijah's gone, now that Yahweh is God is out of the picture, is Yahweh still here to do the things Yahweh does? And he touches the Jordan River And just like Joshua before him, he walks over on dry land. And when he comes up, the prophets see him from a distance. And there was something about him that they noticed that was changed. And they say, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they come out to meet him and they bow before the ground. Are you guys ever listening to one of your favorite songs, maybe by Puff Daddy or the Notorious B.I.G., or maybe it's Blackstreet, and after a while, you're listening, and you realize, hey, that's not my song. That's actually the song from the 80s that they remixed to make that song. You guys ever experienced this, right? It's like, no, actually, that's, that's Grandma's Hands. That's like, you know, Bill Withers. That's, and then you know that, and then it makes it even cooler. It's like, oh, this is great. Now I know where that comes from. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about, right? No diggity. It's, it's really grandma's hands. It's, I made a playlist for this, by the way. No, just kidding. <laughs> this passage of scripture is super important to us. 
All of scripture actually is super important to us because we're the people of God and all of it instructs us and it's all the story that we're living in and we're all using it to kind of triangulate our life in the world. But this passage is especially important to us because it's remixing a very important passage, which is the Exodus, which is the story of Moses and Joshua. And not only is it remixing that story, but actually when the gospel writers are writing about Jesus and his cousin John the Baptist and their disciples, they're actually remixing this story. And so this story gets played over and over and over again as we read the scriptures. And so I want to stop for a moment. Just since you guys love the word and since you're in the word, I want to just help you to kind of see these pictures here of how the remix works. So if we can go up there with the first one with, uh, there we go. So the text is actually working super hard to help us to see how Elijah was like Moses and also how Elijah is like Joshua. And if you remember the story, Moses never actually makes it to the promised land. Where does Moses die? He actually dies on the other side of the Jordan, right where Elijah's taken up, right? And Moses actually does die, but he has kind of a weird death in that nobody gets to see it and God himself buries him, right? And so he's got this kind of unique death even. I've named already some of the similarities. But then it's actually Joshua, whose name, by the way, is Yeshua or Yehoshua, which means Yahweh saves, like Elijah is God saves, right? So their name is very similar. It means salvation. And in this context, it means literally conquest of the land. In the same way that Joshua would be the one to lead God's people into the land and and take over the land that God had given them, Elijah is back on the scene. He's going to do this very thing. Right now, the hand is once again, uh, the land is under the hand of the Canaanite gods. Baal has begun to rule again. And so Elijah is literally there on the scene, and he's going to lead this kind of taking back of God's land for God's people. And if you'll read through the book of 2 Kings, you'll see how this happens over and over again. And this is really cool and really awesome because you'll notice as you read through the Gospels that they're going to line up John with Elijah and Moses. John, like Elijah and Moses, steps on the scene, a wild prophet who is not afraid to speak truth to power. Herod is the new Pharaoh of the day, and he's willing to say what he needs to say to Pharaoh. And he's a prophet, and he is there to turn the hearts of the people back to God. He's there to get them to renew the covenant in anticipation for the Messiah. And so we see John in the line of Elijah and Moses. And again, Jesus, whose name, by the way, is Joshua, is Yeshua, right? Which means God saves, just like Elijah's name is God saves. Jesus is actually going to come on the scene and do all the miracles Elijah does. Elijah heals a leper. Jesus heals lepers. Elijah multiplies bread. Jesus multiplies bread. Elijah extends hospitality to even those outside of Israel to the enemies, and Jesus will do the same thing. Over and over again, you're going to see in the Gospels how the same miracles that Elisha does, Jesus comes on the scene and does. Jesus is, in a sense, a new Elisha. We see it over and over in the text. But there is also another way that this gets remixed. It's not just this way. There's another way that we can do it, and this is the, the final one I want to focus on. It's that, in a sense, Jesus is the new Elisha, and we, the church, become the new Elijah. 
like Elijah, Jesus ascends to heaven and he promises the church his Holy Spirit, doesn't he? Elijah ascends up to heaven and says, hey, you're going to have a double portion if you're there for it. Jesus did the same thing for us. He ascended to heaven and promised that we would receive his spirit. And what happened was when Elijah received the spirit of Elijah, Elisha began to do the things that Elijah did, right? He, pour, he parts the sea. He's gonna kind of like call fire from heaven on his enemies, right? Bear's gonna come out and take care of the folks. And he's also going to heal in the way that Elijah healed. And we're gonna see him doing that. And what happens when we read the book of Acts? It's the same thing. In the same way that Jesus went around healing and doing good, we see the apostles going around healing and doing good. Like Jesus, they're going around proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and they're casting out evil spirits. The spirit of Christ rests on the church so that the Christ, so that the church can do the things that Christ did. The spirit of Christ rests on church so that the church can do the things that Christ did. In response to this text, I want to ask finally three questions for would-be disciples of Jesus. The first question is, are you willing to leave everything behind to follow and to serve? Elisha gives up his livelihood. When Elijah called him in the field, he has to say goodbye to his mother and his father. He slaughtered an ox and he, and he burned the plow in the fire. Like I said, he threw his own farewell party and liquidated his business assets all at the same time. And if we read today's gospel, we find out that following Jesus is even more hardcore than following Elijah. And in fact, these people are so familiar with this story, they say, hey, let me go behind and tell my mother and father bye. And Jesus says, nope, no one who looks back is worthy to follow me. Hey, I've got to go bury my father. No, let the dead bury the dead. You come and follow me. I wonder what the oxen in your life might be. I want to name that oxen and assets and parents are all very good things. No one's asking you to leave just the bad stuff behind. Give up tobacco and follow Jesus. There might be some very good things in your life that Jesus might be calling you to leave behind in order to follow him. And that kind of thing takes discernment. It takes discernment on your part. So the first question I have is, are you ready to leave everything behind the follow and serve? The second question I have for would-be disciples is, have you become a witness of Christ's last days and his ascension to heaven? Have you become a, a witness of his crucifixion and his resurrection and his ascension? Remember that in order for Elisha to inherit the portion, he had to be with them at the end and kind of see how it all ended? That was like a part of the deal. And this is also part of the deal for us. One way to describe it is believing the gospel. Jesus promises his Holy Spirit, but part of receiving that spirit is placing our faith in the good news. 
of how he died for us on the cross, right? And how he rose again to new life so that we can have new life with him. And how he ascended and is seated on the throne, ruling above all things. And Jesus would say to us, hey, if you want to follow me, it's not just about a set of rules. It's not just a philosophy or a way of life. It's literally seeing how it ends. Because understanding how it ends is crucial to following me in life. You got to watch how I die. You got to watch how I'm raised again and ascended. So the question is, do you believe the gospel? And have you begun to allow this story to rearrange your own story? Have you become a witness of Christ's last days? And the third and final one is this. Have you asked for the gift of the Holy Spirit? Notice Elijah says, hey, what do you want? And Elijah could have said anything. What an amazing thing to ask. Whatever that spirit is living inside of you, could you just please make sure that I can just, I know I'm not going to get all of it, but can I just have like a double portion of it before it's given out to anyone else? There are different traditions as to how much. Some accounts say twice as many. Some accounts say three times as many. Elisha does that many more miracles than Elijah. In Elijah's day, no one could imagine anyone else like him or coming after him. And it's not even a tradition. Like when other prophets come on the scene, they don't have a follower. This isn't something that's normal that happens. And yet, Elisha did two and three times as much as Elijah. What did Jesus teach us? Well, in Luke 11, he's telling the disciples, hey, if you want something, ask. Seek, knock. And then he's so nice, he's so Southern. He says, hey, even though you're evil, you still give good gifts to your kids, right? Think about how your good father in heaven, how much if you ask him to give you the Holy Spirit, he will give to you, right? So I know I, I am someone that's somewhat of a direct communicator and I have mentors that get on me like, John, you could have put that a little bit, you know? And I'm like, well, you ever think about Jesus? Like he's sitting there telling people, hey, you guys are evil, but you still give good gifts. Think about the father. I don't know how he gets away with it, right? Paul does the same thing. How do these guys get away with it? I don't know. All right. You guys can help me out with that later. The point that Jesus is trying to say is that the Father loves us and that he's eager to give us the good gift of the Spirit. And so what he's telling us to do is ask. Ask for the Spirit. And this could be a question for a would-be disciple is what are you asking for in your prayers? Are you seeking more of the Spirit Do you want the spirit of Christ to animate your life so that your life looks more and more like Christ? Friends, the spirit of Christ wants to rest on you so that you can do the things Christ did. Do you believe the good news? Elisha, God saves. Yeshua, Yahweh saves. This is Jesus's name. Do you believe that God is forgiving your sins and making the world right through the cross and the resurrection of Christ? Or you're ready to give it all up, even the good stuff, to follow after him? And are you ready to receive his life-giving spirit?
Grant us grace, Heavenly Father.